Well, welcome. Good morning, Clearwater Church. My name is Dylan Robertson. I get to share uh, from Acts 11 today, and uh, I'm super excited about this. And uh, so before we dive into the text, I'm going to share a quick story just to kind of hone in and help us feel the core tension found in this story. Uh, two months ago, I was driving to the uh, corner of Northern Lights in Minnesota, right there by the Walgreens, and I was going to pick up two of my friends that are currently uh, homeless. And so I was excited, and I was going to bring them into a Sunday night community group that I'm a part of, and I was just really looking forward to blessing them with a roof over their head, uh, just some warm fellowship and the food and worship and teaching. And so uh, I pulled up and approached my friends, and uh, I just could sense a hesitation in them. Um, and so I kind of went up and started talking to them, and one of my buddies says to me with some shame in his voice, he says, Dylan, we can't go. We are too unclean to enter into a house. And uh, man, my heart broke in that moment because I knew they weren't speaking as people dearly loved and knowing their infinite worth that God gives them, but they were speaking as people beat down by homelessness. And I tried everything. I tried to convince them, man, we got people from jail. We got people from severe addictions coming. We got all kinds of unclean people. Uh, But yet my words didn't have an effect. And so I got in my car and I drove off. And I'm just painfully aware of just all these tensions that exist in this day. Um, surely back then. And man, I just wept. I just wept uh, so much. And um, so we see the time frame of this Bible story that the Jews view the Gentiles as unclean. And the, even the Apostle Peter, uh, he assumed that the Gentiles couldn't share in the same blessings and in the Holy Spirit as they could. Yet through the voice of From above, Peter has a big aha moment, and it's this, that God makes no distinctions, not one. But rather, he extends his salvation to all people, to everyone. And for God to do this, to make no distinctions, is for God to say that everyone can share and participate in the forgiveness of sins through Christ. And this includes the outcasts, the high achievers, the lowly, the royal, the failures, the successful, the homeless, and the owners of many kingdoms. Jesus is indeed for everyone. So let's turn our Bibles to Acts 11, and we're going to start in verse 1 as I read this account. It's actually a summary of what took place in Acts 10. It's also going to be up on the screen. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, eat, kill, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. 
But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I would stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So what God's doing here is, is remarkable because he's opening the eyes of Peter and the Jews to his greater redemptive plan that extends salvation to all peoples and all nations. It was actually so stunning that they fell silent. I mean, they were speechless. Looking back at verse 18, we read, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It was now crystal clear. God makes no distinctions. And in order that we also feel the full weight of God's really scandalous love here, uh, we're actually going to sit in silence for a little bit just to really consider God's radical generosity that he would extend and, and, and lead us to repentance that leads to life. So we're just going to sit in some silence. Father, we pray just for a opening of eyes today, Lord, opening of hearts. The same way that you opened Peter's eyes to something monumental about your character, Lord, may you do the same today through your holy inspired word, God. We believe that you minister to us through it. And we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can break down any walls, Lord. And Lord, in the same way the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles, Cornelius and his family, God, we ask that same fresh spirit to fall upon us right now, God. We are so desperate for it. And so Lord, we're just so thankful just for understanding and getting a glimpse of who you are, God. Thank you for your gracious love, Lord, poured out to all people. And in the powerful name of Christ, we pray, amen. So today I'm going to look at three connection points that the Holy Spirit really revealed to the Jews through this, through this uh, incredible event. And it really changed everything. So point number one was that the Jews learned that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. 
the Jews grew up memorizing the Old Testament, and they were well acquainted with all of God's promises, and there are so many of them. Uh, it would appear that all of these promises would look like this. Uh, we have a lot of dots here. Uh, random, scattered, with no common thread. Uh, in Genesis 17, one of, many, one of the many promises God gave Abraham was this. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. From the very beginning, God has in view that Jesus Christ would be the descendant of Abraham, and that a people from a multitude of nations would put their trust in Christ, therefore making Abraham a father of many nations. Yet at the time, Abraham considered God's promise essentially impossible, considering his old age and barren wife, but he still trusted that somehow God would do it. And so by Cornelius receiving the Holy Spirit, God is unveiling how he was faithfully fulfilling his promise made to Abraham thousands of years ago. So God is opening humanity's eyes to his eternal redemptive plan in a new way. And that new way is in Jesus Christ. And in this we marvel and rejoice. The prophet Isaiah, who wrote this hundreds of years prior to Christ, gives us further assurance of this. The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and in him the Gentiles will hope. The crazy thing about Scripture uh, that I'm learning and is so beautiful is that all along God promised that he would make no distinctions and would grant repentance to all nations. And so by the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit that leads to life, we see with eyes wide open that God's promises are all found in Christ. And so we go back and see here that actually all of these dots are very much connected. And it's all Christ. It's all the cross. And I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So how does this truth speak to you and me? Well, we must bank entirely on the person of Jesus Christ to fulfill every single one of God's promises. Putting any hope on the promises of this world or on the flesh will inevitably fail us. I mean, just consider some of these promises I'm about to share that are given by God and ask yourself, is there anything in this world, anything that could perfectly uphold these promises? Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing good does he withhold from those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Quickly we realize that all of the radical, impossible promises of God can only find their yes in the perfect work of Christ. Who else are you expecting to come through? I mean, yourself, your own righteousness, this world, accomplishments, our wealth, adventures. May we heed the prophet Isaiah, who says, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The second insight that has been just personally wrecking me is this. God declares what is clean. We don't. In verse 9 of our text, we read, But the voice answered a second time from heaven, 
What God has made clean, do not call common. For thousands of years, the Jews were instructed by God through the law of Moses to abstain from certain foods and certain people. Understandably so, Peter was entrenched in this line of thinking. It's all he knew. So much so that he had the audacity to argue with the Lord when told to kill and eat. He said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. This is a huge deal. The Jews have become so adamant about externally remaining clean that they actually created entire communities. They outcasted entire communities of lepers so that they would not be defiled by them. God is showing Peter that the long-standing categories of clean and unclean are now irrelevant because Christ has redefined them by dying on the cross. Matthew Henry, who wrote a commentary on the entire Bible, which is crazy, said, to tell a Jew that God had directed those animals to be reckoned clean, which were previously deemed unclean, was in effect saying the law of Moses was done away with. And we learn from the book of Hebrews that despite the Jews' most diligent efforts, that their hearts weren't being cleansed by the religious acts and sacrifices. Hebrews 10.1 says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the things to come, not the, things, the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. This account in Acts confirms that God satisfied all of his righteous requirements through his son Jesus, thus declaring people's hearts clean by faith in him alone. Jesus did away with the first covenant in order to establish the second. He is the spotless lamb in the perfect sacrifice. Christ cleansed the heart, not just the hands. So what does this reveal then about us? Well, it reveals that we are all unclean. Jesus makes this painfully clear when he is teaching his disciples in Mark 7. Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts that come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lustfulness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from within and defile a person. In fact, if any one of these thoughts or actions have ever come from within you, it proves that you are indeed unclean. Yet through the glorious news of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying to us, this is why I came. This is why I came. I came to cleanse the sexual moral. I came to cleanse the thief, the murderer, the prideful, the lustful, the wicked, the greedy. By the blood of Christ, God deems us clean. In John 15, 3, Christ says to his disciples, already you are clean by the words I have spoken to you. It's already done. That's already done. And as I've pondered on this radical, scandalous love of God, I, I just can't help but ask, like, why in the world would God do this? Like, why would he come to such unclean people and do such a mar marvelous work? And this leads us to the third point that I really believe the Holy Spirit revealed 
through the story of Cornelius. God wanted Cornelius to. We refer back to Acts 11 and verse 13, and we read, And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. Underneath everything that's going on here, we have the Jews and the Gentiles, we have Peter and Cornelius. We really encounter the heartbeat of God, and that is this that God wanted Cornelius, that God makes no distinction so that he can have us, he can get to us. And he, he had to restore the fellowship that was so severed by sin. If we just look at the links God went to to restore peace between himself and us, we need not look any further than Christ himself. I love Romans 5.8 where it says God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us so he could have us. And while Acts 11 is a story of God's love for all nations and all people to, and, and his ability to honor all promises of God, we also see that God is personally pursuing you. He opened the door that we could never have opened. He cleansed the uncleansable. He prepares a place for us at the dinner table. And so I don't want us to just marvel at, man, that's so awesome. The Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and so awesome that it came upon his family. Marvel that it comes to us right now today. And for most of us, maybe all of us here, we were all the Gentiles. <laughs> we were those who were far off. I love Ephesians 2.13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By the grace of God, my two friends who I mentioned in the beginning story said yes the next weekend. Uh, and they came to our Sunday night community group. And uh, despite, despite all the barriers that were in place, it was so cool to see the love of Christ just triumph them all. And just as Peter uh, had to put to death years of religious thinking in order to preach the gospel to, to Cornelius and the Gentiles. I too have learned and have been learning the same lesson, that God makes no distinctions, not even one. And we see Paul himself learn this lesson. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. God makes no distinctions, and we aren't to either. To conclude, the story of Cornelius teaches us all that our good deeds, no matter how externally impressive they may be, they don't make us right to God. They don't reconcile us to God. And from my own experience, I've learned that self-resurrection projects are absolute slavery. In fact, the Bible teaches us that we've, we don't learn how to be sinful, but that we've always been sinful. And the gospel actually brings us face to face with this reality. And so what are we to do then about this? Uh, I want to share some words by one of my favorite pastors, Tolian Tavichin. 
he says that grace always runs downhill and meets us at the bottom. God isn't standing at the top saying, climb to me, but he's at the bottom whispering, it is finished. And we see this further assured in Romans 3, 21 through 22. Paul writes, but God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. The text just says what it says. It says no matter who you are, wherever you come from, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing right now, the grace of God is running downhill to you in your sinful state. And he beckons you, put your faith on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And be cleansed. The gospel I love is a cleansing gospel. And all it takes is just one drop of Christ's blood to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's remarkable. And so I close with Peter's declaration in front of the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. It's just a beautiful summary of really this encounter that he had and um, what he witnessed with, this, with Cornelius. He writes, God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. And so we're gonna bow our heads as I lead us in a time of just prayer and response really believing that the Spirit of God will minister to each of us as he sees fit. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we repent of all the distinctions we've made, Lord, all the things that we put up barriers on, Lord, all the ways we categorize people, Lord, and withhold your goodness and your grace. Lord, I pray that you convict each of us right now in the ways that we've been doing that, Lord. I pray for liberation. I pray that you impress upon us, Lord, people groups, Lord, categories of, of individuals, God. May it be the certain religions, Lord, certain, um, Certain types of people, God, may you lead us to repent of that, Lord. May you open our eyes that, God, if you don't make distinctions, then we aren't to either. If the perfect and holy God has chosen not to make distinctions, God, may we follow suit, God, help us. And Lord, may we walk this week in the liberation and the freedom of not making distinctions any longer, God. May we see that, Lord, if you had made distinctions, Lord, none of us, none of us would have ever received the Holy Spirit. But out of your graciousness, God, you've brought us into the light, given us repentance that leads to the life, Lord. And Holy Spirit, may you minister to every single person here that is, is believing they are unclean, is living the lie, Lord, that they are still unclean because Christ's blood says you're already clean. May we receive that amazing truth, God, that we can't clean ourselves up, but oh, how you can by your blood. 
And Lord, you know the heart, God. You know the heart, Lord. And for people here that have never stepped into the light, Lord, thank you for the first time, God. May they receive the glorious gift of salvation that can't be earned. Lord, help us stop trying to earn what never could be. Lord, we're just so blessed to know you and call you Father. We're so amazed at your love, Lord, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, God. Everything we ever wanted, everything we ever longed for is fully and satisfied in Christ. God, help us believe that. Help us in our unbelief, Lord. And so we just praise you on high, God. Thank you that you're for the lowly. Thank you that you're for the unclean. Because there's only one type of person, and that's an unclean heart. And we just give you all the praise, God. Forever you reign. Forever you reign, God. In Jesus, we need pray. Amen.